Uh, good morning. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker with Bakes Takes. It's Tuesday, the 21st. Welcome to the podcast. And I've got a special uh, uh, audition with an E and audition with a guest, uh, uh, Gus Christensen, the CEO of Share Scoops. Uh, he has been, he's a new friend of mine, met through uh, one of my favorite people on the planet, Riley Cahill, who is uh, 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 my uh, uh, sister-in-law's son. There's the connection. And uh, we it was mentioned offhand. We became friends. And Gus, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bakes. It's great to be here. appreciate you uh, having me on. I, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, I know some of this, not all of this, but for everybody, please tell me, us, your path. Uh, how did you found uh, uh, Share Scoops, or, or how did it find you, so to speak? Um, well, you know, Share Scoops has really always been the goal for me. You know, I didn't really grow up with a financial education, but I was kind of turned on to it when I went to uh, college at Georgetown, studied economics, computer science, but most importantly, you know, it was part of our completely student-run credit union, you know, from teller to CEO, now, you know, adult oversight, we're running a pretty serious financial institution. And for me, I had a number of, uh, you know, leadership roles there, and we were really hyper-focused on teaching the student body about financial literacy, you know, the basics there. And so for me, it was really, that was where I started to get my first, you know, interest, but you know, probably about five, six years ago, I realized that this was the problem that I wanted to devote my life to and you know, figured out you know, talking to anybody that would listen to me about you know, why are you smart, brilliant people not investing? Why are you saying you don't know anything about this or you're not you know, smart enough to do this stuff? And that bothered me. And you know, so I went out to uh, figure that out. And really the reason I ended up going to JP Morgan um, was there for the last seven years trying to you know build the most comprehensive understanding and broadest expertise of every market so that drove me to asset management i was fortunate to be mentored by some really amazing investors and gravitated towards the roles that ultimately led me to be a portfolio manager for you know large institutions endowments foundations then you know i got that experience on the sustainable investing impact side but overall you know within about five six years i was trusted to manage you know billions of dollars across every asset class and every global economy and you know not many people in that circle have of that expertise can really relate to financial insecurity you know that not, not many of them come from blue collar areas of you know families that have lost businesses and recessions, understand how regular people think about debt. Like, I know how much student loans suck, right? Like, <laughs> and once I, uh, once I got inside and looked around, I realized there's no reason this stuff should be so inaccessible. But the financial world really only speaks to itself. You know, every piece of news or information about the business world, even the stuff that's, you know, digestible is written for investors. So if you don't feel like investors, it completely alienates you from understanding anything that's going on in the economy or what corporations are doing. And so I realized, you know, if we can make the news more accessible, approachable, interactive, talk about things that people feel comfortable having opinions on, then we can build engagement. And that leads to understanding, which leads to confidence and action. 
So now we've been creating a platform, you know, that Bloomberg for those people that don't feel like investors, right? And taking them along a journey to financial empowerment that I know really well. And so we've been working on that for the last, you know, 18, 24 months. You're kind of touching upon what, the question that I had here, but, you know, for one or two lines, keep it simple for me, because I'm still trying to get it a little bit. ShareScoop's yeah. Share main mission, what are you really trying to do and for whom, please? We're trying to build a more inclusive and sustainable economy through transparency and education. So we help people build the confidence to invest by making business news more approachable, engaging, interactive, and have a more holistic focus on corporations, social, economic, and environmental impacts. Who do you view as your top two or three competitors and what do you do better than them and what do they do better than you, please? Well, you know, our main competitors are, you know, for our audience are the usual suspects. You know, you're familiar with the business news area, but we're making it more approachable and digestible because even a lot of these fintech companies that are creating really interesting social gamified smoother interfaces are now buying and building into content because they realize the value of engaging users more regularly and how much that can drive an interest and understanding mm -hmm. but they're only deepening into people that are already investors right so we're approaching a much broader audience and giving people that first step you know, from step one, making it the easiest, most familiar step possible and providing resources along that financial journey to empower people as an investor. Uh, what should subscribers to your daily newsletter expect to receive? And oh, by the way, I'll put a link in the show notes because I yeah. really I really encourage you to go to to Gus and, and just put an email in with no obligation and, and at least learn what Gus is, is seeing on a, on a daily basis. I think it's worthwhile. But what should subscribers expect to get from this, please? Yeah, you know, it's uh, totally free. And if you go to our website, sign up, you'll get a sense of what we're doing. It's our most basic MVP, most minimum viable product that, you know, test out a lot of what we're seeing. But you'll get the lightest context on what's happening in the economy that you can find anywhere. So you can head to dinner or work and feel like you know just as much about what's going on as you know one of your friends that works in finance right and then you'll get what we do is five simple company scoops right we call them on uh, interesting things of how companies are affecting your life their employees their communities the planet and explaining financial concepts in terms that feel intuitive and then these company scoops right where they're interactive we're polling our users opinions and reactions do you like this company do you not do you think it's doing a good job for their people the planet their profit and that little bit of engagement drives much faster more efficient comprehension even with less content and then we're aggregating these votes into long-term running scores so that almost like a crowdsourced ESG rating. So you can see how other people feel about these companies, right? And we can get galvanize public opinion into these sentiment indicators that can drive accountability within our economic system. Uh, I'll, I'll touch that a little bit later. Uh, how in the world did you go from, when did, when did you start by the way? Um, so like I said, I've been iterating on this, uh, 
for quite some time, started a little bit on Twitter and then built it on Instagram, launched our Instagram last spring. And right. now, how, how do you go from zero to 24,000 in, 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 you know, 18 months? I'd love to know that. Uh, you know, great content and building a community and some really awesome partnerships, right? So I uh, launched the Instagram as a way to test out this, you know, content and voting format, um, delivering simple news with the polling, but then pairing it with these simple concept explanations to actually be able to empower people's action. And, you know, that, that process, that combination proved really effective and we were converting investors really effectively. And so that content people loved, and then we were able to, you know, find really build a community of other really great influencers that would share our, our stuff and, you know, get us different audiences. And then, you know, we ended up building a really powerful community, right? People in other countries telling me that they're investing in U.S. countries companies because our concept, content is so simple that it's easier to follow and more interesting than the stuff in their native language. So they start investing in U.S. Oh. companies because our stuff is just so simple and interesting. So it's been a really amazing to listen and meet a lot of our you know, users along the way. And that kind of engagement can you know, spark some strong growth. The uh, up-down voting that your your uh, fans do, uh, yeah. 128,000 votes, 180 companies, that might be dated. But uh, what has surprised you personally from that voting? Companies that appear better than you would have thought or worse than you thought? or And is there a, a, a zero to 100 number that, that gets ascribed? Help me out with that, please. Yeah, so the numbers, you know, we're not putting any of our own opinions or algorithms or anything into it. It's simple arithmetic on these, you know, scores that we create of how many positive votes, how many negative votes. So it's essentially the percentage, right? You know, 60% positive votes, you've got a score of 60. Okay. And so we've been doing that just, you know, simple binary voting for you know, almost, you know, since I really started. And so now, you know, we've got almost, 200 different company, over 200 companies covered and, you know, 140 something thousand votes uh, across all of them, which is just amazing. But uh, I think the things that have been interesting and, you know, we get questions on uh, a lot about this, you know, controlling the bias in our content. So we use tools to check our tone and reread a million times and source from different perspectives. But finding even that even the things that i thought were positive stories that we made sure there's no bias and might actually get negative responses just because people don't like that company like people's opinions are pretty stuck on a lot of the companies that we're familiar with so early on even if we had you know a dozen votes on an early story that breakdown was i was always shocked to find even when we started getting hundreds or thousands of votes that breakdown oftentimes be pretty similar for like these popular companies like a facebook or something like that uh, uh, this is, i was going to touch on that earlier uh facebook got shellacked in the wall street journal last week and oh, appar yeah. and apparently deservedly so uh, uh i this is just my editorializing uh, there's no way that can get through an ESG screen. It's roughly, I don't know, three, four percent of the S and P 500. It's going to fall out of some out of uh, some portfolios. I gotta believe, 
kind of like uh, uh, fossil fuels are, is exiting some portfolios. What do you think about that? You know, it's possible, but you know, these there's to take a step back on ESG, right? And this is this is what I was doing for the last several years and working with so many you know, nonprofits endowments because they were kind of the forefront of bringing this type of ESG sustainable investing into the U.S. Um, these institutions because they have missions. You know, if they're a nature conservancy, they might want to make sure that they're not investing in you know companies that are destroying the forest, right? Or they're a religious entity that wants to make sure they're not investing in pornography or alcohol gambling, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so we had to figure out ways to integrate their value and their mission and their portfolios. And the reality is it's just not there yet. The implementation is not there. And it's because this stuff is qualitative. Like there's no perfect company and no company exhibits one particular value or represents a particular value, right? One company might be excellent and, you know, has going net carbon neutral, right? But then might treat their employees really horribly and have some protests every other day. And so you see that across these ESG ratings, right? You know, whether it's MSCI, Sustainalytics, you know, there's more and more every day. They're evaluating these companies based on the risk to the company, right? So when they, you know, something like an MSCI, Sustainalytics, they're looking at whether this company is doing enough to make sure that in this area, whether environmental, they're not doing so much that it's going to hurt impact the company. Are they improving their carbon policies enough so that they don't get sued so that they don't lose customers right but that's not necessarily what makes them a good company right and that's a lot of what's behind share scoops is why do these big financial companies get to evaluate what makes a good company right whether they're doing enough for the environment whether they're treating their workers with enough you know respect and morality that so i've you know with share scoops, we're giving people the option to say, you know, are they doing enough? What do you think? This is what they're doing. This is how we can track them. These are the pledges they've made, the policies they've actually implemented and the actions they've taken or the lack thereof. And what do you think about these companies? And so that's what we're doing because, you know, if you look at Facebook, they made a lot of really amazing commitments on climate, on, you know, on energy use or sustainability, but, you know, it's pretty hard to quantify the, you know, mental impacts on our society and how they've affected all of us, right? So, you know, within these funds, a lot of them try and say that they're, you know, high E score companies, but these scores vary dramatically across each individual rating system. So you really have to dig into what is it that these companies or these either portfolio managers are evaluating in these companies. And is it just a flat score metric and which scores are they using so it's a pretty gray area and a lot of it is just you know marketing right now to try and get influence uh that is near and dear to their heart what are the top two three esg stocks and the bottom two three esg stocks that your followers are interested in please you know our followers um are interested in a lot of advanced technology and companies that are thinking about 
of the environment, right, as a big core. And then also we're trying to give uh, our users a way to understand the context around impacts within their social aspects, right? How do they treat their employees? What are their po um, policies there? Especially in an age where we're in a labor shortage and you know workers are realizing that they have a lot more power than they mm -hmm. used to, right? And so for us, we're not necessarily talking about, you know, back to my, well, my last uh, long monologue, not really talking about any particular, you know, ESG or any particular criteria, we're trying to talk about companies holistically because each of these individual companies is having a wide range of impacts. And it's a lot more about just understanding the decision process, right? Are they, if they are making some, some level of mistake, if they have had a history of polluting the environment, what are the policies they're making now and what are the actions they're taking moving forward? Uh, cost to subscribers now, that's all a free service, correct? Yeah, totally free. Okay. And you know, our mission is financial empowerment and inclusion. So the goal is to keep this free for our users. I'm reminded of, I think Mark Andreessen said it, I'm pretty sure that, you know, social impact investing, socially conscious investing, that was the the precursor to this. It's kind of like a houseboat. ESG is kind of like a houseboat. It's really not a good house and it's really not a good boat. And and the thought being is that you, uh, you know, are explicitly excluding parts of the market that could make you a lot of money. And so you're doomed to inferior returns. So uh, Ned Davis always said this being right and making money. And so it might be being ESG and making money. How do you do the two? And, and how do you not get trapped that ESG is a houseboat? Please. You know, it's a, uh, I think a lot has changed in the time since uh, Andreessen had said that. You know, the environment and our capitalistic structure is experiencing a dramatic shift. You know, you have two new generations that, and younger generations that are demanding much more from our corporations. And no longer are they able to sit by and focus exclusively on profit. So the lines between, you know, impact investing, sustainable investing, and just investing are only getting more blurred. All right. And so the people who are looking at this as a, trade-off is are looking backwards right so we don't talk about esg as this you know stocks we talk about just looking and evaluating a company right are they making good decisions because the reality is and which is why esg ratings exist is that these are risks to the company right if you are an oil company that is now facing tens of millions or you know actual litigation and rulings to that are forcing you to shift your entire business model that's a risk and you saw it with engine number one they made a very compelling case mm. that not focusing on sustainability and a clean energy future is just bad sense from a shareholder perspective so the directions and the stakeholder versus shareholder evaluation are coming closer and closer. And so I think within a public markets perspective, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, these are things that you start to incorporate into your evaluation 
this more holistic criteria, but it's not an either or anymore. How do you tackle greenwashing? And and maybe for, I have my definition, but give your probably improved definition of greenwashing. But how do you tackle that at Share Scoops, please? Yeah, well, I would say you know there's kind of two ways to look at greenwashing, right? It's, you know, people talk about it from a you know marketing investment products component, but then they also talk about it from the corporations, right? Trying to make themselves look better and, you know, Exxon running a campaign about, you know, their carbon neutral type, you know, initiatives. What are they actually doing, right? So it's an evaluation of cutting through that level of marketing. Here's the good things that we're doing and trying to really understand what action they're actually taking. Right. And so from a fund perspective, I think it's pretty difficult because like to my previous point, most fund managers are now incorporating these ESG metrics and considerations and criteria into their investment decisions. You know, if you treat your employees well and they're happy and you have a good impact and you use your resources efficiently, those are all criteria of a really successful company. Right. So fund managers are incorporating more of this into it, but in doing so, saying that you think about ESG can you know, then label you as an ESG fund, and it's hard to evaluate whether you're investing in something that makes you feel like you're investing sustainably versus just something that you know, it has a particular tagline. So it's important to look at the underlying companies, which is why we're always talking about companies. Right? The core of what we do is that making people understand what it is they're investing in, whether you're investing in your 401k and mutual funds, your index funds, right? Your money is going into companies. So you should understand what they're doing and how they're reacting the decisions they're making. And so for us, trying to tackle that, cut through the marketing on a company perspective is why we're talking about the, you know, creating a narrative for each of these. We're making them the characters of these stories and showing what were their commitments what are they doing now? What, what have they accomplished, right? So that we can have some level of transparency and accountability into whether these corporations are actually doing what they're saying. Uh, talk to me about uh, the Founder Institute. Your congratulations, one out of 12 graduating companies there out of 300 plus that applied. Uh, what's happened uh, uh, with that and what's the, the, the mobile app status at this point in time, please? Yeah, thank you. So. Yeah, really exciting, you know, Jump left uh, JP Morgan in April, went basically straight into the Founder Institute Accelerator, which is a pre-seed accelerator, essentially giving us guidance, mentorship, resources of a huge network of uh, investors, founders, and, you know, successful experts and advisors to push us along and prove the viability of our business model. And so it's a bit of a tough love process where they're really putting you through 30, 40, sometimes 60 hours of work in a particular week to hit deadlines to really test out your assumptions, your problem, your solution, how well you can actually build your audience and make sales. And you know what started with, you know, like you said, 300 something applicants, 50 companies started with us, and then only 12 graduated. We were lucky enough to uh, be considered as one of the top five that uh, were 
showcased in our graduation and then one of uh, two that went on to the follow-on program now to start uh, raising funding and so we've been working through that now we just uh, also got accepted in the Georgetown Startup Accelerator to build out our mentorship and Congratulations. Uh, uh, network as well thank you very much and so now we're taking all of the huge feedback that we got from our MVP process, the newsletter and the web app, over 150 something people, you know, jumped on a Zoom call with me and, you know, gave feedback on this, which was amazing. If any of you are listening, thank you. We have absolutely the best community. And now we're turning all of that into our UX design and development. We've been building out a really expert team of engineers and designers. And now we have a content team across you know, environmental and social justice expertise that are really di differentiating our content. And now we're in the process of designing and building our mobile app and new desktop web platform, which will incorporate a lot of things that people have been asking for, not just this news, but also interesting ways to understand a company, check out their profiles, see stats that are more holistic. What are their you know, diversity statistics, their you know, supply chain, their labor practices, their mission targets, and then also you know their stock prices and information. And so you can follow companies you care about and get really simple news. And then we're taking you on a journey and giving you the financial education to actually empower you to take action. Uh, are you still hiring? Yes. Still okay. hiring. Hi what kind? What kind of people? In case my audience are, would fit the those, those roles, please. We're looking for really talented, full stack engineers to help us continue to build and um, scale this platform, and then also people that are passionate about this subject from a sustainable sustainability, environmental, social justice expertise that want to help us create content. And also looking for people that can help drive growth from a marketing perspective and you know help in some of the areas where I, I particularly feel uh, weak. So if anybody is interested in that, love talking to people, especially brilliant people on, that are uh, knowledgeable and passionate about this subject. Uh, love it. Uh, I, I just, but I have to do a shameless plug. Uh, you don't have any charts. I'm pretty good at this. No charts. No, yeah. you have no charts. And I, and I, I think marrying doing good and making money is 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 a is a, a great uh uh you know fertile area for us to explore um right. and and i gotta and i've 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 you've seen my my uh espousing of, of share scoops you know i think that uh, uranium is as esg as it comes i've been all over this and i think your audience ought to ought to really uh explore uranium and and, and parenthetically nuclear as as the best way for us to get to the carbon neutral targets that so many of these companies are talking about and countries are talking about. So there we go. Absolutely. I think there's what we're trying to create beyond just being that first step and taking people to action, but then also developing a path and trajectory along that you know, journey even further beyond just your first investment to actually providing that type of education around interesting trades and building communities and so that people can take this even farther. And so, you know, like I said, you know, well, 
love your show and we'll definitely uh, <laughs> look for opportunities to work together. It's great. I appreciate that. Uh, your followers have not seen a bear market. Uh, you know, it's been 10 years of up. Uh, how are you preparing them for that? If at all. Talking in the, we, so the two biggest, you know, questions, concerns that our users have are where do I start? And will I use, lose all my money, right? You turn on CNBC, you're going to see, you know, Dow dropped, you know, 300 points. Oh my God. That's actually not that much all the time. So it, what we're trying to do is just create that level of context for people, right? Is on a day-to-day basis, give them the knowledge that grounds them and how the markets move. Because the problem that I found is making the brokerage platform interface simpler, prettier, gamified, social doesn't solve people's problems. Because when you get there, you still don't know why it goes up, why it goes down and what you're supposed to invest in, right? So if we can give people that daily engagement, give them just a little bit of sentence here or there, get them to understand and see that, oh, it was up yesterday, you know, it's down today, okay, past month it's up. That little, those little pieces create that narrative and you start to realize whether it's on a high level of the economy or in individual companies that these prices are just the quantification of a company's story arc right and so if you can understand their story you can understand why stock prices go up and down and so we're trying to address that you know general fear through daily um you know just daily content and keeping people engaged on their opinions. But beyond that, we're always delivering the supplemental, you know, financial education and contextual uh, explanations to say, you know, the markets always drop. You know, we always talk about that. You know, you're in order to grow your money, you have to be comfortable watching it fall sometimes. Right. And so we're always talking about never investing with a short timeline, always be thinking about something that you're going to be in there and you're going to ride these waves and it's something that you don't need this cash right away. I appreciate that. Uh, this is my ooh-la-la segment, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm too old uh, probably to bring this up to you, but uh, it's a Faces song, and uh, I wish that I knew now what... Wish that I knew what I knew now when I was younger. i got to sing it, otherwise I can't get it out. Yeah. Um uh, you know, and, and you're young. Don't get me singing. Uh, I, they wish I wouldn't too, especially Mike. Um, but go back, you know, it isn't that far long ago, but, but, uh, I do this with everybody, you know, you're 23 year old Gus and now you've got some battle scars and some wisdom and, and, and you, what would you have done better, worse, more, less, uh, any advice for a younger Gus? My son's 23, Jack, who you know, and I'm, uh, I focus everything on, 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 on my son. So fire away, please. Just get involved, right? Most, uh, you know, 90% of investing success is about participation. And, you know, we post all the time all these amazing numbers about compound interest, right? Compound returns. The more, the earlier you can start, the better you're going to be set up for, you know, down the line. And so I always say that the best 
thing that you can do to educate yourself is buy a single share of a stock and just watch it. Stay in touch with it. You know, watch why it goes up, how it goes down. And just understanding that movement and those dynamics will teach you more than any course could possibly teach you. Hmm. And so that's you know, always encouraging people just to, just to start, but start small. Yeah. What's the call to action for, for my audience and how may I help you, please? For us, follow us on ShareScoops. Go to our website, sharescoops.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get some amazing content. And then you'll also be the first to test out our new mobile app and you know be there for on the ground for, for our launch. I uh, love it, love it. Uh, been an absolute pleasure. Great talking to you as always. If I can help you in any way, please let me know. And uh, thank you as always, Mike. Thank you, my producer. And uh, Gus, uh, I'll see you soon. Take care now, my friend. Awesome, thanks, babe. Bye now. 